ಸಹನಾವತು ಸಹನೌಭುನಕ್ತ ಸಹ ವೀರ್ಯಂ ಕರವಾವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಾವಧೀತಮಸ್ತು ಮಾಭಿಷಾವಹೈ ಓಂ ಶಾಂತಿ 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 ಮೇ ದ ಲಾರ್ಡ್ ಪ್ರೊಟೆಕ್ಟಸ್ ಬೋತ್ ಟೀಚರ್ ಇನ್ ದ ಟಾಟ್ ಟುಗೆದರ್ ಮೇ ದ ಲಾರ್ಡ್ ಪ್ರೊಟೆಕ್ಟಸ್ ಬೋತ್ ಬೈ ಗಿವಿಂಗ್ ಅಸ್ ದ ರಿಸಲ್ಟ್ಸ್ ಆಫ್ ನಾಲೆಜ್ ಮೇ ವಿ ಅಟೈನ್ ವಿಗರ್ ಟುಗೆದರ್ ಲೆಟ್ ವಾಟ್ ವಿ ಸ್ಟಡಿ ಬಿ ಎಲ್ಯುಮಿನೇಟಿಂಗ್ ಮೇ ವಿ ನಾಟ್ ಕೆವೇಲ್ ಅಟ್ ಈಚ್ ಅದರ್ ಓಂ ಪೀಸ್ 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 ಸ್ಟಡಿಂಗ್ ದ ಕಠೋಪನಿಷದ್ and uh, the dialogue between the little boy nachiketa who's the student and the teacher is the awesome lord of death yama who is teaching nachiketa about the nature of the self about who, what we truly are and then in the last few verses we have seen in 21 and 22 uh, he has used 2020 21 22 Uh, paradoxical language uh, smaller than the smallest vaster than the vastest um, and located within our own minds um, then that which goes everywhere although it is uh, it is seated in one place um, when it, it it lies down and it spreads everywhere um, who can know this uh, this extraordinary entity which is with joy and beyond joy also madamadam devam it is without a body and yet it is existing in our bodies within within this very body and this vast self now all this contradictory this paradoxical language i told you last time it is used to point out the nature of the self because it cannot be said directly Uh, the atman cannot be expressed directly in language language cannot refer to that reality why it cannot refer to that reality we have discussed a number of times what language can do and what language cannot do all right now because it is so subtle you need um, there are certain spiritual practices sadhana to realize the atman and that's what yama is going to talk about in mantra number 23 and 24 this is very subtle so who can realize this it can be realized but who can realize this and who cannot realize this in these two mantras he will point out the sadhanas the practices in mantra number 23 nayam atma pravachanena labhyo namedhaya na bahuna shrutena ಕನ್ಫ್ಯೂಸಿಂಗ್ all the things that we are doing you know attending uh, classes and studying and um, so all of these things it's it is just saying right here you can't realize the atman by all these things now what it means is just by these things one cannot realize the point of this mantra is one must really want it uh, 
if one does not want it, then no matter how much of uh, you know texts you study, uh, how much you memorize, uh, how much you try to understand, it will not work until one really wants it. The, the point of this mantra, we will see later, the point of this mantra is that what Sri Ramakrishna used to say, the one condition for God-realization, for enlightenment, is uh, uh, Vyakulata. In the words of Sri Ramakrishna, Vyakulata, which you see in the lives of all great saints, whether it is Ramakrishna or Kabir or Mirabai or, or any of the great saints from ancient times in every religion you find, it's not somebody who got to enlightenment casually. You know, I just attended a couple of lectures and I became enlightened. It never happens that way. So generally, you'll see a very intense one-pointed search for God-realization. Whether it is a dualistic, theistic religion, whether it is in Buddhism, whether it is in Advaita Vedanta, uh, the intense desire for enlightenment must be there. So that is what is being talked about here. But the language, we'll have to see clearly what it, what um, uh, Yama wants to say here. It is put in such a way, one may misunderstand. So there's no other way of getting it except uh, through it. And then he says, whoever the self chooses, to that one the self reveals itself. Now in dualistic interpretations of uh, this, immediately this is put as the doctrine of grace, kripa. You cannot realize God through any sadhana, uh, only by the grace of God, you can realize God. So at that point, um, in that interpretation, Atma would be replaced by God. So that is the dualistic interpretation. But in Advaita Vedanta, what does it mean? You will see. Uh, the commentator Shankara makes it clear. The Yama says, who will realize the uh, Atman? The one whom the Atman chooses to itself, to, to that one, the Atman will reveal itself. The ultimate reality will reveal itself. But then the question arises, whom will the Atman choose? Uh, then Shankaracharya says, that one who chooses the Atman. So if you, if you want to realize uh, the Atman yourself, then yourself, the ultimate nature of yourself will be revealed to you. Let us go to Shankara's commentary. I will read out a few portions and explain this uh, interesting mantra. If you just read ab about it, it will seem that Pravachana, by um, talks, classes, Medha, by, you know, by intellect, uh, Shravana, uh, by hearing, you know, the Shravana, Manana, Nididhyasana. It seems to say by none of these, uh, you can realize God. Um, or you can become enlightened. But this is what we are trying to do. Well, Shankaracharya introduces this uh, mantra by saying, Yadyapi durvegyaya mayam atma tathapi upayena suvigyaya eva ityaha. Although this atma is very difficult to realize, it is subtle, uh, it is uh, very difficult to ascertain what it is, but upayena, by the proper methods, it is easily realizable. So that's the point of this mantra, not to discourage you by saying whatever you do, you are not going to become enlightened, only if the Atman has its grace on you. See, the Atman has its grace on you, Atman is you. So what does it mean you have your grace on you? Your higher self has your grace on you, what does it mean? It only means if you want to realize it. That is the one condition. Um, Sri Ramakrishna again and again said the one condition of enlightenment is uh, um, Vyakulata. The intense desire to see God or intense desire to be liberated, to be free. In the fourfold qualification which we read in Vedanta, at the introduction to any Vedanta, 
we have the fourfold qualifications. What are the fourfold quali qualifications? Viveka, discernment between the eternal and the non-eternal. Vairagya, dispassion for the non-eternal. That means a detachment, dispassion, turning away from that. Then the sixfold treasure, which are disciplines. And then finally, the last one, Mumukshutvam, intense yearning. Sri Ramakrishna says, and Shankaracharya also in uh, Vivek Chudaman, he says, this intense yearning is what is actually required for enlightenment. Um, once this has come, enlightenment is guaranteed. Whichever path you are work, walking on, if you are walking on the path of God-realization, dualistic devotion to God, you will get God-realization. If you are walking on the path of self-realization, you will get it. Basically, what we want intensely, we will attain it. That wanting intensely is what is being emphasized here. But the way he is putting it is, Yama is telling uh, Nachiketa, um, this self, pravachanena na labhya, you cannot attain it, you cannot realize it. Uh, labhya means, attaining means, Shankaracharya says, labhyo geyo, unknowable, realizable. Uh, it is not realizable by lot of, here pravachana is Vedic study um, or, you know, um, attending talks on Veda, like we are attending talks on Vedanta, for example. Na medhaya, medha is that Intelligence is the, is the spiritual intelligence, a capacity of our intellect. Shankaracharya simply defines it. This is a pretty secular definition. He says, Granthartha dharana shakti, the ability to uh, assimilate the meaning of a text, the, uh, the ability to hold on to assimilate the meaning of a text, not just the words. So the first one, Pravachana, you've heard the words, you've read the books, I've borrowed the books from the library. I've gone through all the reading list. So, have you understood? No, not much. So what's the difference between the two? Pravachana is I'm acquainted with the reading list. I'm acquainted with the text. But I really haven't gotten much from it. The next step is to understand what has been said there. That is, through, that is indicated by medha, by intelligence. Na bahuna shrutenam. Now, Bahuna Shrutena Kevalena, that means Shankaracharya says, the Shavanam, the systematically studying Vedanta texts. If I keep on doing it, will I become enlightened? No, not even by that. Why this is interesting is we have been told Shavana, Manana, Nididhyasana is the way to become enlightened. Here by Shavana, he includes Manana, Nididhyasana also. So by Shavana, Manana, Nididhyasana, I cannot realize uh, the Atman. So he is now building up, up to one important point that we must really want it. All of these are necessary. So you must approach Vedantic texts. You must attend the talks. You must try to understand what is being said. And you must go through Shavana, Manana, and Nididhyasana. This is the thing to do and what we are doing. But the essential condition, Shankaracharya now points out, and the Upanishad itself puts it this way. Then what is the essential condition? Who will realize the self? The one whom um, the Atma chooses, Vrinute means chooses, by that one the, the Atman will be realized. To that one, this Atma reveals its real nature. So this is the point where uh, dualistic interpreters will say, Kripa, grace. This is, you're talking about the grace of God. God will choose. But it is not enough to put it that way. Why? 
because god's grace is always there it's not that god's grace is there on some and god's grace is not there on others sri ramakrishna is to you know he lived on the bank of the river and he would see these little boats even now you can see sometimes they raise their sail there's little sail also and uh, sri ramakrishna says the wind of god's grace is always blowing raise your sail and you'll catch that wind so like the boat the wind is blowing the boat those boatmen who raise their sail then the boat sails along uh, merrily on the river similarly if you catch raise the sail means you have to put forth that effort and raising the sail here would mean all of these things shavana manana nidhyasana all of this will be included now here shankaracharya says swatmanam esha sadaka brinute prarthayate so whom that um, the sadaka the spiritual seeker wants it swayam atma labhyo gyayate evam ittyetat so the atma is realizable by that one by whom not by the one you see just the, by the uh, atma chooses it doesn't make much sense because atma is your own self it's always there always shining forth we must want it then shankaracharya makes a, a comment nishkamasya atmanam eva prarthayata so he says nishkama the one who has turned away from worldly desires the intensity of desire for god realization is inversely proportional to our pull towards the world it just is not convincing that i am very greedy and and i am very much in a, you know invested in chasing worldly pleasures very much angry with some people very much upset with others very much jealous with others and i'm also intensely desiring god it doesn't work all these emotions have to be gathered up and channeled towards in our spiritual path then only it works this is mumuksh this is mumukshutvam uh, in vedanta the fourfold qualification the final one mumukshutvam intense desire to be free like um, two examples are there one is sri ramakrishna himself is to give that example uh, when the disciple came and asked the guru why am i not realizing god why am i not in god being enlightened and then the guru took him to the river for a bath and then dunked him in the river and held him down under the water till the boy started struggling and then the guru let him out how did you feel and that boy said i would have given anything for one breath of air so when you feel like that for god realization you will surely attain god realization so that's an example another example they say in it is vedic example shirovrata suppose somebody's head is on fire now you are running around that person will run around to find any water and jump into that water to douse the fire on the head which means such an intense desire the world is such a problem for me samsara is such a problem for me suffering is such a problem for me i want to get out of it now who will feel like that person who is suffering very much not necessarily lot of people are suffering very much deep suffering is there but they want don't want to get out of it they want that suffering to be solved somebody is in great financial difficulty in debt and i'm going to commit suicide because of the debt i can't pay up the debt if somebody comes and pays up the debt very good done no problem now will the uh, problem arise 
the, the question arises why was there so much suffering then this samsara is full of suffering what is the solution to all this no 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 once the debt has been paid off my problem is solved i'll go on with the same thing again and so for everything illness is there i'm sick now illness is natural ultimately the body is prone to illness how to realize my existence that i am not the body not the mind that question does not come up what it comes up is how can this illness be cured whether i go to the doctor or um, whether i go to god my question is not enlightenment how can the illness be cured so we want worldly solutions for worldly problems it will go on like this it will never be totally solved or at any deep profound level look at the buddha the buddha just by seeing suffering all around he was not suffering he was having a wonderful time but he just by seeing suffering all around he realized the inevitability and the ubiquity of suffering and then he wanted a solution for it is there some deep solution which can take us beyond suffering that is the real inquiry that is mumukshutram uh, the great desire to know what is beyond all this jigyasa brahma jigyasa the inquiry about the ultimate reality when narendranath was going around and asking people about god he seriously meant it, it was not a casual question he was like if somebody could give me a convincing answer to my question i will throw in my entire life there and try to realize that's what happened when sri ramakrishna convinced him god exists god can be experienced and i will show you how god can be experienced so narendranath did not just say okay now i've got my answer bye no he threw his life into it and he was transformed into vivekananda so that is mumukshutram that is real jigyasa not just a curiosity so he says nishkamasya and that can happen only when one has a certain amount of detachment from the world otherwise suffering will only let us will will struggle will try to solve that suffering and jump back into the world the moment the suffering uh, is reduced um sri ramakrishna is to call it this shamshan vairagya smashan vairagya that means near and dear one someone dies and then one becomes very spiritual for a while and then goes away maybe in search of god but very soon it's gone and then um, back to worldly life again so that vairagya which comes after a shock it may lead to permanent interest in spirituality or it may not but it should be permanent otherwise one cannot realize uh, the atman so shankaracharya says tasya atmakamasya esha atma vibrunute prakashayati paramarthiki tanum swam swakiyam sva yathatmyam ityartha so to that one who is atmakama what does it world not world kama not desiring worldly things but atmakama one who wants to realize intensely wants to realize the one who wants the atma to to that one the atma reveals itself what does it mean reveal it reveals itself atma means self the self is always revealing itself i know that i am the self i am i know this all of us know that i am but he says paramarthikin its absolute nature not this relative body mind nature this body mind i am this individual person everybody knows nobody has to be told this this is the uh, objection raised against uh, the whole vedanta project what does vedanta say enquiry into the self and what will be the result you will solve all your problems the immediate objection will be first of all what do you enquire into that which you don't know and that enquiry which will be um, 
which will be valuable, which will give some result. So the, the Purva Paksha, the objection is against Vedanta. Both of these conditions for inquiry are not fulfilled. What are the two conditions for inquiry? One, I don't know. So I would like to inquire and find out. Second, that it will be of some use. Well, both of these conditions are not fulfilled for, um, you know, um, this Atmanusandhana, for self-inquiry. Why? I know myself. I know. I may not know many things in this world, but I know that I am here I am, Sarvapriyananda. And I can tell you many things about myself. I can bore you endlessly by talking about myself. So I know who I am. That's number one. Second one, and by knowing myself, nothing much has happened. I'm still the same person who's suffering. So that inquiry is useless, which does not give any result. I already know who I am, and that knowledge has not helped me at all. The answer to that will be, you do not know who you are. Vedanta says, what you think about yourself, that I know myself, is only surface knowledge, is only fractional knowledge, only a very limited knowledge, and ultimately it is false. It is wrong knowledge. You are taking what you are not to be yourself. It's not just a claim, they can demonstrate it. Not very difficult to demonstrate, can be demonstrated. By the neti neti process, we demonstrated what I took to be myself. I was completely convinced this is who I am. I did not give it a second thought. Vedanta forces us to give it, give it a second thought. Take a look. What you think to be yourself is not you. You are not the body, not the mind. You are awareness. You are the witness consciousness. Second, no use. What is the use of the self-inquiry? It is a great use. By this self-inquiry, you will realize what you are. Having realized what you are, you will see this, what you really are, the Atman, is beyond all troubles already. Forever was. It is a delusion that I was in so much trouble. It's a delusion that I was in so much limitation. So two stages. You recognize that you are consciousness. Not just ordinary. We all people will immediately say, I know I am consciousness. I am body plus consciousness. No. I'm a conscious body. No. You are consciousness and only consciousness. Then mind, body comes later. You are aware of it. So you are this consciousness. Step one. This is your real nature. Step two. Appreciate your real nature. Uh, appreciate your real nature means this consciousness is an unlimited consciousness. It is not born with the birth of the body. Does not age with the aging of the body. Is not diseased with the disease of the body. Does not die with the death of the body. It is not... Um, uh, made miserable by the misery of the mind. It is not does not hunger for the little pleasures of the senses and the mind. It illumines everything and is un unaffected by anything. This, When you realize this, and I am such a thing which is immortal. I am such a thing which is not the mind and not affected by the ups and downs of the mind. Then it is an amazing thing for me. You know, I was um, the Advaita teacher, Rupert Spira, Somebody asked him, are there stages in enlightenment? He gave a very nice answer. And you see, that is the pattern adopted in classical Vedanta texts. He says three stages are actually there. First stage, enlightenment, three stages, not to enlightenment. In enlightenment, there are three stages, he says. First stage is to realize what we are, that I am awareness, this unlimited awareness. Neti, neti, not body, not mind. In Drigdrishya Viveka, we do it. Panchakosha Viveka, we do it. Avasthatraya Viveka, we do it. Many methods are there. But by which we realize what we are. That is stage one of enlightenment. But second, you appreciate what you have discovered. That it is actually immortal. I thought I was mortal. 
now actually now I appreciated it. I am immortal. I thought I am trapped by the ups and downs of the mind. Now I realize no. The mind is peaceful, happy, blissful in one moment. Next moment, the slightest uh, problem. Our nice worldview which we have set up, if it's disturbed a little bit also, immediately unhappy. Such a rascal mind, such a untrustworthy mind. Why will you depend on it when it shows you a lot of happiness? Oh, I'm very happy. No. Be wary of the mind. The mind which delivers so much peace and happiness to you, you, you are the one who illumines that peaceful, happy mind. The next moment when the mind becomes upset because something in the world has changed which is not to its liking. People have changed. Health has changed. Financial condition has changed. Weather has changed. Tummy trouble is there. Some problem. Mind, uh, the mind immediately becomes upset. You realize, I illumined you, when mind, when you were peaceful, happy, uh, delighted. Now when you are troubled and annoyed, I am illumining you. I am not a troubled. I am not annoyed. I am ever the same. You appreciate that you are the trouble-free awareness. Ever trouble-free consciousness. So you have, Rupert Spira says that is the second stage of enlightenment where you begin to appreciate this amazing thing about your own nature. You are already free and trouble-free. Free, free you have got moksha already. Mukta swabhava. Then third stage, what more is there? He says, as long as this body lasts, you will have to live your life. Now see with this new knowledge of who you are and this new appreciation of who you are, can you deal with the challenges which keep coming to life? Can you react better and better from now now onwards, this is called Jivan Mukti. He doesn't say that, Jivan Mukti, but this is actually Jivan Mukti. You realize Aham Brahmasmi, and then you appreciate the nature of yourself, the glory of yourself. Uh, in Vivek Chodamani, Nashtavakra, again and again, the enlightened one sings, Aho Aham Namo Maiham. Oh, how amazing I am. Salutations to myself, not small s, capital S self. That is the appreciation of one's own glory. Having appreciated one's own glory, now see, put it to use, practical use. Let the, what do they call, rubber hit the road. Uh, let the walk the talk. Uh, see whether things uh, do not upset you so much that you are brave and you can face big problems in life with calmness. That you can stick to what is right and um, uh, easily overcome what is wrong. Uh, all of these things. The characteristics of Stita Pragya, are they coming into my life? That is the third stage. So, the Atman reveals itself to the one who intensely wants the Atman. So, this is the meaning of Nayam Atma Pravachanena Lapya. So, by Vedantic study, will the Atma be, or attending Vedantic classes, talks, Atma will not be attained? No, unless one wants it. If one wants it, then of course one will attend these talks, one will try to get knowledge. Na medhaya, is medha not required then? The capacity to understand and absorb, Shankaracharya says, granthartha dharana shakti. Not required? Of course it is required. In fact, in Vedanta, it's required more than anything else. Um, once I mentioned this in the Gospel of Sri Ramakrishna, a lot of Vedantic talk was going on, Brahman, Atman, Maya. Sri Ramakrishna listened very carefully and then he said, in Bengali, this talk is good. The words are very good, but there should be dharana, assimilation of what has been taught, you know. 
that it becomes a reality for me. I can hold on to it. I can live my life, not just words. So Medha is very much required. Shavana Manan, he says, na bauna shutena, not by a lot of Shavana. So Shavana is not required. Yes, it is very much required. But all of this follows the essential condition, I really want enlightenment. Then all of these will work. Um, of course, one might then say, I don't have that intense desire for enlightenment, which Sri Ramakrishna had, Vivekananda had, Buddha had, so I will not get enlightenment. For us, the time will take a little longer, that's all. We have it, not to that extent, not to the level of excellence which Yama is demanding here, not to the level, Najiketa has it, intense desire for um, this self-knowledge. But we all have it, otherwise we wouldn't be here. Why are we all sitting here talking and reading Vedanta? We have it, only this process will develop it further. This What we are doing, Shavarna, Manana, Nijidhyasana will increase our Mamukshuttam, increase our intensity of intensity to know. Mm. Yeah, And I also pointed out that those who want to interpret, want to bring in grace, they bring it in at this point because the language is very much suitable for in interpretation as grace. By the grace of the Atman. Of course, by the grace of Atman doesn't make much sense. So by the grace of God, one becomes enlightened. And that definitely makes sense. Only as I said, grace of God is always there. In the Chandogya Upanishad, seventh chapter, uh, Narada, he goes to Sanat Kumara and uh, yeah, and then there he uh, asks, give me, make me enlightened. And then um, Sanat Kumara says that what do you know? You are known as a great sage. So you must have studied a lot. Tell me what you know. And Narada, he tells the whole thing, all kinds of vidyas, all knowledge. I mean, if you just see the syllabus of uh, our university, the whole syllabus he tells, every branch of knowledge he has mastered. Then you know everything. No, Narada says, no. I know the words, but I do not, I have not realized the meaning of it. So I am acquainted with the texts. I've done all the reading. But and I know all worldly sciences, but Atma I do not know. Why would you want to know the Atma? You're, you've got multiple PhDs, you know, you're the most learned person. Is it because Atma with Tarati Shokam Atma with one the knower of the self goes beyond sorrow? So I have heard, I have not gone beyond sorrow after learning so much. Also, I have not crossed over the ocean of sorrow. Narada is a real seeker. Yeah, Najiketa is a real seeker. Narendra was a real seeker. Buddha was a real seeker. Sri Ramakrishna was a real seeker. Because uh, the world, they saw it as a problem to be transcended and that there is the possibility of transcending the suffering of the world. As I said earlier also, just suffering will not make us a real seeker. A lot of people suffer, but they don't become seekers. And there is a saying, I've forgotten, uh, Sanskrit, but the meaning of the saying is, um, to the thinker, to the sensitive soul, everything is suffering. Whatever is in the world is dissatisfying. It is like, see, um, the eyeballs, even uh, the thin strand of a cobweb, spider's web, if that will be irritating to the eyeball. The eyeball is very sensitive. So to the eyeball, that will also be irritating. Similarly, to the sensitive mind of the thinking person, sensitive person, uh, everything in this world will be dissatisfying and they'll want to find a deeper, a higher truth. 
what other qualifications so we understand we have the takeaway from this is you want you need intense desire for enlightenment good what else what else do you need next all the other qualifications are being mentioned here 24 navirato duscharitan nashanto nasamahita nashantamanaso vapi pragyane nainam apnuyat let me read out the translation given by gambhiranji one who has not desisted from bad conduct whose senses are not under control whose mind is not concentrated whose mind is not free from anxiety about the result of concentration cannot attain this self through knowledge how will you become enlightened through knowledge how will you get knowledge shravana manan nididhyasan this is what we have heard again and again but here yama points out again that it will not work unless these preliminary conditions are satisfied what are these preliminary conditions we know them well the fourfold qualifications so what has been said here this is the raw material out of which which was later systematized systematized as the fourfold qualifications any standard entry text into advaita vedanta they will talk about sadhana chatushtaya adhikari means the person who is qualified for vedanta has fourfold qualification we read in vedanta sara sadhana chatushtaya sampanna pramata adhikari pramata means the one who needs who seeks knowledge when does the seeker of knowledge become an adhikari qualified for vedanta when that person is equipped with the fourfold qualifications mm-hmm. um the first sutra of brahma sutras athato brahma jigyasa if we translate it directly it will mean hence therefore enquiry into brahman that means an entry into vedanta but what is the meaning of this hence and therefore so commentator has to explain sutra is is compact it has to be expanded by the commentator so shankaracharya comments there um hence hence means what whence so there he says this atha ataha atha means hence hence means equipped with the fourfold qualifications so this is the meaning of that atha and therefore means wherefore because the one the person sees the limited nature of this samsara that suffering is inevitable here therefore the one seeks some kind of some ultimate solution to the problems of the world some the answer to this mystery of life what is going on here why are we here is there some way of transcending the problems of the world therefore brahma jigyasa an enquiry into brahman exactly what all great seekers have done throughout they may not have read brahma sutra adato brahma jigyasa but they did it they were qualified look at vivekananda look at buddha look at uh, uh, ramakrishna they were qualified and they were, they were seeking this ultimate reality they were troubled by the um, sorrows of the world and uh, then they inquired into into the ultimate reality inquiry is not just reading is a first intense desire to be free and then these qualifications again to repeat what are the qualifications viveka vairagya shamadamaadi shat sampatti mumukshutvam viveka and vairagya already have been talked about earlier viveka the discernment between nitya and anitya eternal realities there god atma brahman whatever you call it all religion says something is there 
I take it seriously. Then you have Viveka. Vairagya. This world which entangles us continuously. I uh, turn away from it for, for the purpose of realization. I don't give it that much importance. 90% of my time and energy are going there. 90% of my mind is given there. Spirituality is not possible that. Then, the sixfold treasures, these are disciplines. These disciplines are now going to be talked about here. Uh, Yama is saying that these are the things which are necessary. Remember the disciplines, Shama, a calmness of the mind. The mind must not be restless, thinking about dozens of different things. Dhamma, control of the organs, organs of actions and organs of knowledge. Eyes want to see something, always running after what to give, nice things for the eyes to see, nice sound music for the ears to hear. It could be music or it could be words of praise for me. I must always listen to praise and people praising me. That is also a ear. Tongue, always seeking nice tasty food, what the tongue wants. And touch, you know, nice, soft, comfortable things to wear, to lie down in a comfortable bed and all of that. So with the touch or temperature control, I again and again hear that when people go, to India or go back to India, how uncomfortable it is. It's not as cold as it here is here in New York, but we always feel cold in India. Why? <laughs> because whatever is outside is also inside. If it is 40 degrees outside, it's 40 degrees in your house. It's 40 degrees in the bed also, Fahrenheit. So, uh, but because we, are, we have become used to comfort. No, a certain control, Dhamma, control of the sense organs. Then, Titiksha, spiritual toughness, ups and downs will be there in the world. Ups and downs will be there in the body also. Health and other problems will be there. Mind also. But one must forbear with that, not be disturbed from one's Vedantic study. Then, um, Uparati, withdrawal of the senses from too much engagement. Withdrawal from, from the mental side. The too much engagement with the world. The trying to get happiness from worldly success. From entertainment, continuously trying to be entertained by things in the world. No. Uh, so this uparati rati means entertainment, becoming too much, uh, you know, taking pleasure in world in the senses in the world. Uparati reverse, pull back. Then samadhana. What you have pulled back now, you must concentrate it on the atman. Focus in meditation, in prayer, in study. It all must be focused on your goal of God realization. Then, um, uh, Shraddha, a deep uh, faith that it will sustain you. All these disciplines will be sustained by the deep faith that there is some ultimate reality here. This is a worthwhile pursuit. It's a worthwhile pursuit. Something, the best thing, best adventure that a human being can en uh, engage upon is this adventure to realize the ultimate reality. It is possible. Once I realize it is possible, why should I not pursue it? It's the greatest thing that there is in life. So, Shraddha. Now, this we have seen, when we study Vedanta, you see this again and again, every text will tell you this. But the Upanishad, when you see this in the Upanishad, you realize what we read in later texts, like uh, Aparokshanabhuti or Vivek Chudamani, or Vedanta Sar, they are all systematizations of the materials collected from the Upanishads. What are those materials? Here you see. So where did those six-fold treasures, where did they come from? Here you see. First, Navirata Duscharita. Shankaracharya says Duscharita. Um, immoral action, immoral behavior, 
And then he describes what is Dushcharita, Pratishiddha, Shruti Smriti Vihita. Shruti Smriti Avihita, Avihitaat Papa Karmana. What is not prescribed in your religious texts, in your moral texts, or what our own conscience tells us is not right. If I still continue to do that, and I internally feel guilty, but I continue to do that, you have not stopped from immoral activities in your life. He says, for such a person, this is called na avirata duscharita. Has not stopped from immoral action. One must stop it. It does not matter if we have done it earlier, but one must, one, once one recognizes it is not right to speak in that way, to act in that way, even to think in such a way. It's not right. One, one feels that and stop that. That much stopping, desist from it. Then, second, na pi, na ashanta, na asamahita. So, he says, Nāpi indriya lalyad ashanta anuparata. Not only is activities, I'm not doing anything immoral. Everything about I'm doing is accepted by society. Society gives a tick mark to it. That it's all right, nothing wrong in it. But it's continuously engagement in the indriyas. In seeing things, hearing things, continuous busyness in the world outside. Then also self-knowledge is not possible. The indriyas, the senses are uncontrolled. I may dress it up as, as a work. I remember when I was a young novice, one day I was sitting in the office after Arati, I was sitting in the office and, and uh, doing some office work. Then I was scolded by the senior monk, the, the monk in charge of the ashram. He said, what were you doing there? It's your office work. He said, no, I don't want to see you in the office after uh, evening Arati. Either you will sit and meditate or you go to your room, shut yourself in your room. If you can meditate, if you can study, good. I don't even care if you sit in your room and if you, if you fall asleep also, I don't care. I don't want you to come out of the room until the bell for night food is, is given. See, what is it teaching me? This constant restlessness, busyness. Stop it at one time. You must be able to, you must be able to throw yourself into work, but you also must be able to step back from work. So this indriya, uh, this continuous restlessness of the indriyas, the reason why do we don't uh, realize the self within is because our attention is being continuously focused outside by our, um, uh, our the senses. The senses are turned outwards. You see, what was the mantra? The, the senses, swayambhu, I, I forget the mantra, very famous mantra. The Lord has damaged our senses because they have made our senses outward flowing. The senses, the entire sensory system has been turned outwards. And of course it has been turned outwards. The senses are meant to help us to see, realize the world. They have been turned outwards, but the problem is because of that, such a powerful system, our limited attention is continuously flowing out through that. And therefore, we do not see the inner reality. Inner reality means our the consciousness which is lighting up the mind and through the mind is lighting up the senses. That consciousness is not, uh, we are not attending to it. So, second thing is the senses must be withdrawn. Then the mind, even if the senses are withdrawn, I may not be doing anything wrong. I may not be, um, you know, going out and partying or browsing internet all the time or playing video games or something. But 
I'm sitting quietly. Uh, eyes closed, quietly sitting. But mind is continuously roaming around. Mind is thinking about worldly things. This is the next third one. Napi asamahito. Anekagra mana vikshipta chitta. Mind is restless. I am quiet. I am not doing anything wrong. My indriyas are also quiet. I am sitting steady in meditation morning and evening. But the mind is not settled you know, either on the mantra or on the breath, whatever your technique of meditation. Or in Vedanta, on the pointer which has been given to me that I am the witness of all movements of the mind, the Sakshi. That attention is not there. Flickering mind. He says, Anayakagramana vikshipta chitta. Scattered mind. That also then you cannot realize. Um, the Atman. Then finally, you control the senses. So no uh, uh, immoral action. You lead an ethical life. Then control the senses. Then quieten the mind in meditation. Even then, one more step has to be done. Shankaracharya says, Samayita jittopi, even when the mind is concentrated. Samayita jittopi san, Samadhana falartitva Napi ashanta manaso Vyaprita chitta um, I have concentrated. Now I must realize the Atman. I must become enlightened now. That idea seizes me. I say, that is good. No, it is not good. Why? Even if that idea is there, that is also a disturbance. That's also in the mind. After all, you are the Atman. And that Atman will not be realized by the mind. The Atman will reveal itself. What does it mean by Atman reveal itself? All those have been nicely talked about in Vedanta Sar, at the end of Vedanta Sar. Brahmakara Vritti. Those who remember, you will remember Phalabhyapti and Vritti Vyapti, what the mind can do and what the mind cannot do, uh, what the reflected consciousness reveals, but what the reflected consciousness cannot reveal, the original consciousness, original consciousness shines forth, those things we talked about. Those are the technical details of what happens at the moment of enlightenment. So that will not happen if the mind is quiet, but still there is an anxiety about God-realization. That now, now it will happen. <laughs> Even a devote, devotee who may not be doing this Vedantic approach, just Ishta Devata, Dhyana and Japa the person is doing. And then that anxiety is there. I've done so much. I still haven't got the vision of God. So one sadhu who was in Rishikesh wrote to Masharada in those these letters that asked the mother, the letters used to be read out to the mother. Asked the mother that I have done so much of Japa. Day and night I do Japa. But um, Thakur, Sri Ramakrishna has not revealed himself to me yet. When will Sri Ramakrishna have kripa on me, grace on me? So the mother told, dictated, write to him, strict letter she wrote back, saying that, that God is not like a sack of potatoes. You've got the money and you go to the vegetable market and you buy the sack of potatoes. If you've got enough money, so I've done so much japa, now you can purchase God. No. Just now we read in the uh, mantra, not by your own sadhana will you realize. By the grace of God you will realize in a devotional context or by your intensity you will realize. So no, that's the first thing the mother said, right? And second, she wrote, she told them to write to him. He has become a sadhu. If he will not do japa and dhyana, what else will he do? He's a sadhu. Let him do that. So that anxiety, 
once Swami Nikhilanandaji said something to Swami Turiyanandaji. We don't know what he said, but we have got the reply of Swami Turiyanandaji to Nikhilanandaji in the letter. Swami Turiyanandaji you know, was the direct disciple of Sri Ramakrishna. He's scolding Swami Nikhilanandaji that behind this so-called restlessness for God is some other motive. That we have told you to be patient and keep on doing this, you will realize God. So, what is he um, squashing there? It is this final anxiety of a, of a good sadhaka, of a great sadhaka, who may be very close to enlightenment. But that final anxiety, why am I not realizing? When will it happen? I have fulfilled all the conditions. Drop that also. That's what Turiyanji is telling in that letter to Nikhilanji. Then, once one drops that, then one will realize. Then he says, Pragyanena enam apnoyat. You realize by, Pragyana means that Brahma karavitti, aham brahmasmi. That knowledge will not arise if the other four qualifications, four things he has mentioned. First of all, um, moral life, moral dharmic life. If that is, if the life is adharmic, if I am deliberately doing wrong things in my life, they're itself disqualified. Second, I am following an ethical life as far as I can. Second, uh, senses are scattered. Restless. I remember once we were studying Vedanta and senior Swami was there and uh, we used to sit on a mat on the floor. And one brahmachari was sitting, a friend of mine, and his, you know, this, his leg was on his lap and with his foot, he was moving his foot like this. And the Swami said, stop, what are you doing? There's even little restlessness shown in the body. It shows some, some restlessness in the mind. So, restlessness of the sense organs and motor organs. Calm it down. I was reading some of the old teachings five, six hundred years ago. Goraknath in the Nath Sampradaya. So, in the old Hindi. Hadbada na chale, hadbada na bole. There should not be restlessness in your walking, restlessness in your talking. Then, after the senses are gathered and quietened, the mind also should not flicker. The mind also should not dwell on things, continuously flow out on things other than the self or the Ishtadevata. And finally, fourth condition, that very subtle point in which the mind is gathered, I must realize God. Uh, drop that. Now, of course you will realize God, but don't keep thinking about that. So this is a very subtle instruction. This applies only to advanced seekers. All right. Then, pragyane. Without this pragyana, by, by knowledge, one will not attain the Atman. But when these conditions are satisfied, then knowledge will arise and that you will realize. You will be definitely be able to realize that you are Brahman. Now Yama concludes his, um, this particular section by talking about the nature of the ultimate reality. 25th verse, 25th mantra. Yasya Brahma Chakshatram Cha Ubhe Bhavata Odana Vrityuryasya Upasechanam Kaitha Veda Yatrasa So nice mantra, a little mystifying. What he says here is, let me trans give the translation by Gambhiranji. How can one know thus as to where this, uh, this self is? For which self 
both the Brahman and the Kshatriya become food and for which death takes the place of a curry. So now we have lunch coming up. What Yama says here is, look at the, the glory, the awesomeness of your own self. What is the awesomeness of your own self? It says, the Brahmin and the Kshatriya are like rice to it. No, like lunch, you eat rice. Odhanam means rice. The Atman eats it up. We'll see what it means later. Let me give you the literal meaning first. Ubhe bhavato odana. And Mrityu, death. I myself, Yama says, I myself, I'm death. I bring an end to everything in this universe. I am not even rice. I'm like a curry. I'm like a pickles. I'm like sauce. I'm like a savory thing, which is like a side dish. Such is the Atman. Such are you. And is it easy to realize this? Who can realize this? Who means who, one who has not got these qualifications. One with these fourfold qualifications will realize, will become enlightened. One without the fourfold qualifications will not become enlightened. This is the point. Now, why this language? What, why suddenly Brahmin and Kshatriya? So what he means here is this. Uh, the Brahmin is the one who teaches, uh, who's at the top of society, who teaches uh, spirituality and religion and morals and who teaches knowledge to society. That one. And Kshatriya, who protects society. So these are the, uh, the most privileged elite sections of society. By them is indicated the rest of society. All human beings. And by that is indicated all animals and plants. All living beings. Indeed, all of the universe. So this is an indication for everything in the universe. All of samsara, all of the universe is like rice eaten in lunch as you eat it up. What is the deeper meaning of this eaten by the Atman? It means Atman is the cause of everything, is the reality which manifests as everything. How do you get that? What eats up? The cause eats up the effect. What do I mean by it? When the pot is broken, clay pot is broken, what remains? Clay. When the wave which arises in the water subsides, where does it go back to? Water. It arose in water. It was water also. when it arose. And it went back. Only water remained. Gold, ornaments, if you melt it down, what will remain? Gold. So in that sense, the clay is eating up the pot because it has disappeared into clay. The water is eating up the waves and the gold is eating up the ornaments. In that sense, it's disappeared back into its cause. So Brahmin and the Kshatriya and every section of society and all living beings and all non-living beings, entire universe is eaten up by the Atman means the Atman is that from which all of them have come. Uh, second, I was mentioning Brahma Sutra, the second Sutra of the Brahma Sutras, Janma Adhyasya Yataha, the birth etc. of the universe comes from which? That is Brahman. Asya Jagata Janma Stiti Bhanga Yasmat Tad Brahma of this universe where from it arises, in which it exists, and into which it disappears, that is Brahman. It's like saying, where from this wave arises, in which the wave exists, into which it disappears, that is not Brahman, Atma, water. Similarly, the Atman, it eats up. Everything means that it is the source of everything. All of these are appearances in the Atman. We do that. Our dream universe, when you wake, wake up, don't you eat up everything in your dream universe? Everything in the dream universe is eaten up by you. Sureshwar Acharya, in one of his verses, he says, 
What is the characteristic of the enlightened one? The enlightened one can eat up the entire universe. The whole universe, the enlightened one can put in his belly. You can you put the universe in your tummy? <laughs> what it means is you are the awareness in which the universe appears, plays around, and disappears. Like the wave appears, plays around, and disappears in water. Like the all the contents of a dream appear in the dreaming mind, play around, and disappear into back into the dreaming mind when the dreaming mind awakens similarly you are the atman you are in technical vedantic terms abhinna nimitta upadana karanam the one undivided um, intelligent and material cause of the universe but what kind of cause vivatta karanam that which appears as the effect you are like the rope which appears as the snake like the desert which appears like the mirage like the sky which appears to be blue not that the rope has become a snake, not that the desert has become water, not that the sky has actually become blue, even when it looks blue. Similarly, not that you, the Atman, have become this universe or this person, even when it looks like that. You are still awareness itself. In you, all this is appearing. You are the one who eats up the universe. When, the moment right now, in Kashmiri Shaivism, there's the idea of Bhairava. When Bhairava opens the eyes, Eyes open, universe manifests. When Bhairava closes his eyes, the universe disappears into Bhairava. Um, that um, Bharanath, Ravanath, Vamanath. The, um, Bhairava is the one who literally vomits out the universe, who sustains the universe, and then dissolves it back into oneself. Who is this Bhairava who can do this to the universe? It's you. It's consciousness. How does the Bhairava do that? Karana Drishti, Karya Drishti. What is Karya Drishti? When the eyes are open, when you see the table, you see the chair, you see the wave. What is Karana Drishti? When the eyes are closed, means with the eye of knowledge, you see the wood, which is appearing as the table and chair. You see the water, which is appearing as thousands of waves. Similarly, Karya Drishti, Bhairava's eyes are open, you see a world, body, mind, world, individuals, samsara. Karanadishti, you turn it around, you see awareness only, in which names and forms are playing around. This is the opening of the eyes and closing of the eyes. This is the eye of knowledge. Closing of these eyes means opening the eye of knowledge, by which you reduce this universe to uh, its reality, its, con its consciousness. Here it is called eating up eating up the Atman, eats up the universe. And Mrityu, time itself, is nothing for it. So space and time and causation, time, space and causation, Maya, is nothing for it. It's just a tasty sauce or, um, you know, Upasajana means curry or a sauce, with which nicely you can mix up the rice and eat it up. So this, this is the meaning. Who can realize such a self? Is only one who has got those qualifications which I mentioned. Oh, Nachiketa, beware. Only because of those qualifications you are able to realize. The one who is not qualified by like you, and that one will not be become enlightened. Again, in another way, Yama will go on with the teaching, the next section. Let me quickly look at the comments here. Sean Lee says, when can one understand that he or she is spiritually enlightened? No problem at all, uh, because um, the Sri Ramakrishna says, your 
you your enlightenment itself will show you that you are enlightened he gives a rather crude example the little boy asked the mother mother when is time for me to go to toilet you wake me up the mother said don't worry yeah, the, the feeling of going to toilet itself will wake you up from sleep don't worry about it similarly you don't have to be told that you are enlightened you will see for yourself but one good test is what is the promise that you will go beyond sorrow you will attain fulfillment you check for yourself have i gone beyond sorrow have i attained fulfillment unshakable fulfillment have i gone beyond sorrow yes then you are lucky no then some more work is remaining gorav says our attention flows outside after understanding vedanta and bringing that attention to awareness being aware of being aware is that what is meant by one's choosing self by word yearning i get sense of lack but understanding vedanta i'm going to back awareness knowing that i'm ultimately don't lack anything it's correct however um the more important thing more important than bringing at bringing attention to awareness is uh, realizing what i am not because bringing attention to awareness can create a problem the awareness which you are supposed to attend to is not an object you cannot attend to it you have to realize that everything that comes to your attention is not i that um alertness is required so every problem that comes to me how do I, how do i apply vedanta to understand that problem and see that it is an object it's a drishya and i am the unaffected witness don't try to make the witness an object knowing that i ultimately don't lack anything yes this ultimately don't lack anything is not just rhetoric that i don't lack anything telling oneself no as long as i feel the lack there is uh, i'm still looking towards samsara to fulfill me I, i have not yet appreciated the unlimited nature of myself the atman when i'm unlimited what do i lack unlimited means infinite if i see there is some unhappiness dissatisfaction in the mind let me inquire if i have realized i am brahman why should the mind be dissatisfied what what would it lack should be at peace should be full of joy often it is past habits the mind has a state of um, acting as body mind and holding on to past dissatisfactions or conditioning uh, so that has to be given up dima says how does desire to be enlightened increase does it follow reconditioning of causal body listening rationalizing meditating um i'll just give a hint i mentioned this earlier the fourfold qualification the last one is the intense desire to be enlightened which yama says is most important but the question here is how do i intensify that if that's most important how do i intensify that if you remember in the fourfold qualifications i mentioned there's a secret to it each one is the cause of the next one so intense desire to be uh, liberated the cause of that is the the six treasures the six treasures the disciplines if i if i find my desire to be liberated is not intense let me intensify those disciplines then the effect will be intensification of the desire for enlightenment but i can i find my those disciplines are lax they're not strong enough then instead of struggling there let me intensify the one before that what is that vairagya dispassion for the world the moment there is deep dispassion for the world those disciplines will become natural to me and then the intense desire for enlightenment or devotion to god one of the two will grow but dispassion for the world is not coming then let me intensify the first one that viveka let me sit and think about it 
this difference between the ultimate spiritual reality and samsara nityanitya vastu viveka let me be very clear about it otherwise there is some confusion there some kind of thinking that the things in this world are real they're important they are nice they're worth having some kind of understanding is there that's a misunderstanding that has to be removed you know viveka Rodrigo says, does quantum mechanics reveal that life is but a dream? And there's so many interpretations. It's very interesting. Physics, uh, quantum mechanics, so many interpretations. I suppose you can give philosophical meanings to some of these interpretations that they are given nowadays, interpretations. Rick says, the sixfold treasure seems number two, control of senses and action. And for number four, withdrawal of senses from too much engagement are very similar. How are they different? So control of the organs of sense and action is at the physical level. Like that novice Brahmachari was tapping his foot. Stop. It's a gross example. But there are many such things in them. And some of them can be pretty subtle. Uh, what my eyes are doing, uh, what my ears are, um, what they want. Am I chasing my tongue? That means trying to get good, good food. So all of these things. Uh, control there, kind of moderation and discipline there. So that's, that's at that level. But the uparati, the withdrawal, that is at the mental level. The mind, the desires in the mind are what are forcing the senses out into those uh, their, their respective avenues. So that has to be given up at the mind. The mind has to be reversed. That uh, I am not interested in those things. I am interested in something which is my own inner reality. Let me turn inwards. Then the senses also will be automatically withdrawn. But before that, a certain amount of control of the senses is necessary. And Shavani says, difference between anxiety, restlessness for realization, mukshutvam. Yeah. That's why it's a very subtle point. Mukshutvam is general one-pointedness towards God-realization. It will color your whole life. I want God-realization. I want enlightenment. But there is a certain um, subtle, very subtle disturbance created in the mind which is eager to say, I, I now want God-realization. But the problem is, the mind cannot get God-realization. The mind cannot get Atma-jnana. The Atman is revealed in the mind because the Atman is Swaprakasha. The mind can only be put in the right format, which is what we did in uh, the Vedanta Sara, you see, the Brahmakara Vritti. Uh, so, yes. But the distinction is very subtle, which is right. Sri says, are epiphanies, those aha moments, not Thakur or truth revealing itself? There are fleeting moments, certain points in life, when even for a brief second, one's life comes into focus or makes perfect sense. While that is not enlightenment, it's the glimpse of realization. Those are good insights. They are helpful. And um, to the extent that they are retained and they actually change one's life, uh, one's perceptions of life. So one's growing in wisdom. But enlightenment is very specific. It is uh, the realization that God is real and forever, it, it, you know, there's a before and after. Um, after that, God or the Atman, Brahman is real for you and is continuously accessible for you. So that's a much deeper phenomenon. Otherwise, what you're speaking about will happen to everybody as we become mature, as we experience things in life. 
better and better understanding comes. As we read the same texts, as we practice Japa and Dhyana, better and better understanding will come. This is good. Srinivas Raju says, the very thin dividing line between intense desire for enlightenment and expecting the result of spiritual practice. Yes, that is the same point. Intensity for anything need not be accompanied by anxiety or restlessness. It can be steady intensity. Yes, as shown in uh, one's life. Con uh, steady, sincere focus on God realization. It's a very subtle point. But Yama thought it important to mention it. And in, I remember in some of the dharanas mentioned in Kashmiri Shaivism, a practice is given and you have to meditate on that and blank out everything else and hold on to that particular practice or thought. But at the last moment, you're supposed to let go of that practice also. So the final thing is not something that is accomplished by the mind. It is something, if you're devotional, you'll say it comes from Ishvara, from Bhagavan, God. If you are an Advaitin, you will say Swaprakash Atma, Atman sh shines forth. All right. Good. Let us uh, do the Shanti. Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Tat Sat Shri Ram Krishna Rupa Namastu